Welcome to Conversations with Coley, where we have conversations about subjects we think about but often don't speak about. My name is Nicole Miller, and I'm the author of this book series, A Through Z, Guide to Raising a Good Human, a series I wrote to help in the communication process. Another episode of Conversations with Coley. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Elizabeth Correa. Elizabeth's mission is to help women learn how to recreate themselves so they can start a journey toward healing. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes. So we'll start with your icebreaker question. You're in an abandoned building surrounded by a mob of zombies. You're unarmed and they are all blind. How do you escape? Crawling on the floor. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That's the the street sense in me that just came out. (laughs) Yeah. Get low. (laughs) Exactly. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Interestingly <laughs> enough, my father is actually blind, born blind. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. So you have experience on how to escape blind zombies then. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So <laughs> tell us about your background. Okay. In terms of my story or <laughs> whatever you want everybody to know about you, just a little brief. Okay. So yeah, I, um, I'm Portuguese. I grew up in uh, a typical traditional uh, Portuguese household. I am one of four at home, you know, growing up. Uh, my, my father had two more children um, in his second marriage. When we were um, just about on the way out, there was one and then they had another after. Um, I grew up in, in, in the projects in Toronto and yes, there's projects in Toronto. Um, (laughs) There's projects in Toronto. Um, yeah, so I grew up, you know, in a rough neighborhood. Um, and I also grew up in, you know, an extremely abusive household. Um, both parents were physically, mentally, verbally abusive. And my father was also sexually abusive Mm -hmm. and, um, it started off you know, I was so young. I don't even remember when it started. That's how young I was. And that went on for a long time. And, and at, at 14, just, I'm just kind of speeding up the story. Yeah, that's okay. I decided to speak out. You know, my sister and I spoke out and we were removed from the home. My father was arrested. Um, we were separated, which was traumatic on us. We didn't expect that to happen when we were you know, we always say that we think if we had known that we were going to be separated, we would have never spoken out. Really? No. Yeah. Yeah. Because of it was it was it felt that that trauma felt more painful than what we dealt with as little girls at the yeah. time. At the yeah. Time. Yeah. Um, I can see that. Yes. So, yeah, we were put into to care and um, I lived in, you know, de- over 10, 11, 12 homes in the first six months, you know, I was running away from some of them. I started, um, I got kicked out of some of them. I was just, I, I literally became a product of my environment. I was angry. I was broken. I was sad. I was confused. Um, I missed my family, you know, as bad as things were because it's, it's all a child knows, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then I, I got into a relationship with, um, a young man. Well, he was a few years older than me. I was, 14, almost 15. This is when I first went into care. And um, I literally got into a relationship with a, a, a man who was just like my father. Mm. Um, and that was extremely abusive um, mm-hmm. 
physically, verbally, in every way. And we had a child. I got pregnant at 16. And then we had my son, who's now turning 30. <laughs> That's how long ago that was. <laughs> um, so, and and uh, I stayed in that relationship for about five years. And then I managed to escape that relationship. It got, it was like, it was just getting worse and worse. And I got away, got out of that relationship. I ended up meeting another young man who I say was like an angel, you mm-hmm. know, um, he got me away from, from that. And just, I, I would say was the first, you know, experience of love that I had, whatever that meant to me at that age, you know, mm-hmm. um, it felt safe, you know, it was respectful. It was, we had a, a beautiful, beautiful relationship and bond. Um, and then he was actually murdered in front of me and he died in my arms. Oh no. Oh yeah, my it was God. Ro- road rage. Wow. But, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> that was when I would say, you know, things got really dark and ugly before they got better. Yeah. Um, you know, I went into, I wouldn't have used this word at the time because nobody used it at the time, but I definitely went into a depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to do anything. I wasn't getting out of bed. I wasn't eating. Um, and then that's when, you know, why I called him and call him my angels because at the time I, I needed that escape and I needed him. And then it was what happened in my life after he was gone. I went on a, a spiritual quest and just, I, I'd like to say, you know, I wrote this actually at the back of my book, I was saved in the eyes of the church. So okay. yeah, that was where my healing journey really began and went on for about 10 years. And that's where I discovered my passion. That's where I discovered my purpose. Um, yeah. And, and I started going because of the pain I was dealing with, with his death. And yeah. then everything else that came up about my childhood that I buried under the rug, that I never wanted to face, that I never wanted to talk about, that I never dealt with. So, yeah. so much greatness came out of, uh, out of such a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I went on that journey and, um, you know, I started sharing my story in, in small groups at, at church and I'd never done that before, you know, never spoke about my story. And it was, um, it was, it, it was a huge part of my healing, a huge part of my healing. And then I eventually started writing my story and I started, see, it's, it's interesting because I started speaking for pay once the you know, when the the book came, I was, um, that gave birth to my speaking career, but I actually was already speaking right in church. Um, and I started, you know, what I was 23, 24 speaking in small women's groups. I was very active in in the ministry. So that was already, you know, I think I was just being prepared for for what was to come. Yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. So that's, that's my story. That's my background. That's how I got here. I like to call it the four P's. It's how I moved from pain to passion, to purpose, to pay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I love I get that. paid for my pain. So it's kind yeah. of, you know, there was a time where it's like, you were so crippled in shame. It's like, you, you wouldn't even talk about that pain. Right. right. And, uh, and it's just amazing what I have, you know, been able to, to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. I actually was looking at your social and yes, absolutely. And to come from such a painful background, because a lot of people, 
I think they try to measure their trauma and say, well, this is why I'm entitled to stay in a depressive state or to stay stagnant. And so a lot of people don't come to that enlightened stage after, especially so much bad happening to you. you. You don't succumb to it. You rise above it. Right. Yes, exactly. So for those that are out there right now, kind of suffering in it and not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. How long did this trauma of yours from your childhood all the way to losing your love, Mm -hmm. how long did this trauma haunt you before you finally were like, okay, I need to make this decision and this is the path I want to go on? Mm Um, that's a really good question because, you know, I think what people don't understand about transformation and I'm not talking about change because you, I mean, they're very different. Um, and I'm also talking about permanent transformation. It's a journey and we really have to be, you know, patient with ourselves. You know, if I were to go back and say something to that young girl, you know, myself as a teenager in my twenties, I would have, the one thing I would have said is, um, you know, breathe. Be patient with yourself. This takes time. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about 25 plus years of trauma. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when you're born into it, it's, it's a whole different ball game. It's not just I was in a, you know, physically abusive relationship. I was born uh, into trauma, into pain. It, it, it was all I knew. It was all I knew, not only towards myself, but watching my, my, my siblings get beat, especially my older brother who, you know, still lives in so much of that pain, but I think mentally, you know, um, having to watch that and, you know, watching my mother get beat up all the time as a little girl and you can't do nothing. It's, it's, you know, unless, you know, you've lived it, you, it's extremely painful. So you have to be patient with that healing process and know that, you know, this too shall pass. Like it's going to pass. It's when you start to deal with the hurt and, and, and the bruises and the wounds and you be patient with yourself, you know, you, you love on yourself, you start taking care of yourself, uh, you will heal, Mm -hmm. you will heal, but it just, and I think everyone's journey is different, you know, and then that all depends on how much trauma is there, you know, like what happened. It also depends on, you know, um, are these people, that hurt you alive or have they gone? You know, I, I noticed that sometimes people take longer and it's, it almost seems much harder when the people who hurt them are no longer here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a hard process for them. Um, and what I always say is that, you know, I never needed my, 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 my parents and my, my ex, or, you know, I also, you know, my divorce was also another trauma that happened Mm -hmm. in my early thirties. And then I didn't mention this, but I survived emergency brain surgery 10 years ago. That was the last thing that happened. Everything's been, you know, beautiful since that, but that was trauma too. You know, I had a brain tumor, I almost died. Um, so it's, you know, and I think I, I learned a lot about healing, um, with the brain surgery experience. I think that was, that taught me a lot. It really just opened up my eyes to um, how I was or wasn't taking care of myself. You know, um, I learned to be patient with myself after that. I learned to stop doing a lot. 
And I found that, you know, prior to, to brain surgery, I was a professional doer. I was mm. just doing, 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 and not even, I wasn't even celebrating my milestones. I wasn't even celebrating my own success. Even if it was something small, I was just ready to do another thing. And just to prove to everyone that I could do something that I was good enough, that I had what it takes, that I I have what it, you know, I can do all things kind of thing. And it was just to prove a point. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't connected to self. I wasn't connected to who I was or who I wanted to be, you know, what I wanted to do, how I wanted to feel. That was so huge because my whole life, it was about what am I going to do? And what am I going to be? And, you know, and it was always about that. And I never stopped to think, and I actually have a workshop about this now um, and, and a presentation, a talk, um, you know, how do you want to feel? Mm-hmm. How do yeah. you want to feel? Never mind what you're doing. Cause you can barely feel when you're doing all these things, you're not even feeling, you know, when we're cleaning and cooking and taking care of the kids and working on our business or going to work and coming home and rushing to cook and rushing to do this. And, you know, we're not, we're, we're, it's like, it's, we're like numb. Operating it's, on survival mode. It's, and that was something that I got super, you know, clear with and, mm-hmm. and, um, delivered myself from, you know, mm-hmm. was that is I was always, I was operating in survivor mode. I wasn't feeling anything. And so when you get clear with, you know, your core desired feelings, as Danielle Laporte p- puts it, you know, your spirit desired core desired feelings, how do I want to feel? Well, I want to feel peace. I want to feel healthy. I want to feel influential. You know, I want to be influential. I want to affluent. I want to feel connected. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now that I know how I want to feel peace, well, what do I need to do to feel peace? Mm -hmm. Now I can set my goals according to how I want to feel. And for anyone listening, you know, you have to get clear with how you want to feel even before you get clear with what you want to do. You know, ever since we were children, children, most many of us going through trauma and abuse, We have been, it's been embedded in our minds, you know, that we must know what it is we want to do. Yeah. (laughs) You know, these kids, I work with a lot of youth. I'm a youth speaker as well. And they're, they're being asked and pressured to know what they want to do and be in elementary school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but most of the young people I know barely know who they are at 25. (laughs) Yes. I didn't know who I was till I was 25. Uh, listen, I figured out my 30s. You were ahead of me. Okay. Yeah. But like, you know, so it, it's, it's, I think that is so important to mm-hmm. just really, you know, how do you want to feel? Mm-hmm. And then set goals according to how you want to feel. Maybe you think you want to be a lawyer, you know, okay, so how am I going to feel going through 10, eight years of school or whatever, you know, and raising kids and doing this and maybe taking care of your parents and everything else, you know, is, is that how you want to feel? Because mm-hmm. that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or do you want more freedom to be present with your children, you know, to do work on passion projects and do the things that you love? Okay. So then what's and that's something else, you know, if you want to feel peace and relaxed and freedom, does that mean maybe start a business instead? You know, so I, I everyone's doing it the other way around. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to, to start with how you want to feel. And that was where 
my healing journey started was when my <clears throat> spiritual mother, as I like to call her, she said to me, I, I was having a really bad day this day. I think I was like <clears throat> maybe 24, 25. And um, I was just, I was, you know, one foot in, one foot out. You know, I was serious about my healing, but then I, I would go back to like hanging out with the same people and having these broken, broke conversations. And, you know, I, I was just tired of my environment and yeah. Um, and you know, she, the first, she said to me, okay, well, how do you want to feel Elizabeth? And yeah. I was like, Hmm, <laughs> feel? Mm, I don't know. Like, and I started saying things like loved, um, accepted. I don't want to feel judged. I want to feel appreciated. I want to feel successful. And she said, okay, first of all, you take all the EDs off because when you say loved, appreciated, accepted, all these EDs, everything that ends with a D, that means you're looking for something outside of you. And unless you get that thing outside of you that you're looking for, that means you're never going to be happy. No. How does Elizabeth want to feel internally? How do you want to feel? And I came up, I said one word. And this is before I even studied Danielle Laporte's programs, because she speaks a lot about core desired feelings. Mm -hmm. And my one word was happy. Yeah. And as soon as I said it, I started bawling. Because I had never said that before. Mm -hmm. And she was like, okay, okay. And you will, you will. So let's create a plan for you to feel happy. Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> we're going to change that word to joy. She said, because happiness is in, is external and temporary. It's dependent on what's happening around you. You get your nails done. You're happy. You buy a new pair of shoes. You're happy. You wear them twice. Uh, you're over them. Joy is internal and eternal. So no matter what happens around you, no matter what anybody does to you, they can never take away your joy. Yeah. Because it's internal. It's not dependent on them or a thing or how much money you have or your material belongings. It's internal and it will always be there. And so I started from that moment creating a, a life of joy. And it took time. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. Everyone in crisis or in a negative spot wants that quick fix. It's not real. You can't get a quick fix when you have endured, like you said, 25 years of trauma, 30 years no. of trauma. It's not going to happen overnight. Yes. It's, yeah. And you said quick fixes. That, that, that's, a, that's a big word right there because, um, you know, we, there's a lot of quick fixes. And, you know, whether it's drugs or alcohol or sex or whatever people use as quick fixes, um, and I'm, I'm so grateful to, I would say my grandmother, who I know, who I know watches over me every second of my life. Mm -hmm. She was my one, mm, like, I was just so obsessed with her. <laughs> uh, she, she lived, she was my saving grace in so many ways. Um, I actually shared a bed with her and my sister, my whole childhood. Aww. And it was a double size. It wasn't even a queen. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I, I say I was very fortunate to have that for 11 years of my life, almost 11 years of my life. And um, 
you know, I always knew as a young girl that I didn't want to be like those people that I, in the streets that I saw every day, every day that I lived in the middle of, you know, it's the projects, it's drug mm-hmm. dealers, drug addicts, prostitutes, homelessness, um, craziest, craziest, crazy people, you know, as yeah. you would call it when we were little, right? Now we use the word, you know, mental illness. And, and mm-hmm. I, it was all, my it was all around me. Like I, mm-hmm. I lived smack dead in, in it. Mm-hmm. Actually, my, my parents had it. So I really was smack dead in it. Um, and I always knew as a little girl that I would never do drugs and that I would never be like what I was seeing. Mm-hmm. Now I did start selling drugs at 14 and I did that for a long time throughout my teens, but I never touched them. Oh, wow. No. And I lost friends to it. Um, you know, by the time I was 22, I think I'd been to like 22 funerals. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but I always knew that wouldn't be me even as a young girl. And I, I believe it is why I'm still here. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know that is why. Um, two of my best friends are, um, you know, addicts and they started very, very young. And it actually destroyed our friendship because it just, it, it, I just got to a point where I didn't want to be around that anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it was, it was, it was definitely not my destiny. I know mm-hmm. that. And I always knew that. I knew that as a, as a young girl, um, I knew that if I ever tried mm-hmm. a quick fix like that, that I'd be done dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, and I told myself that. I would be one of them that tries it for the first time and overdoses. Yeah. Yeah. And quick fixes too. People expect, okay, I want to be done with depression. I'm going to say it out loud, snap my fingers. My life is fixed. They think of it that way way as well. So it's like, no, (laughs) you have to put in the work. So how hard is the work. <laughs> Can I, you know what? I'm going to say this, 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 another great question too. I, that is when I truly started living. That was when I truly started living. It's not hard, Nicole. We make it hard. Exactly. Because we, this machine here, this machine, we were not, you know, re- being renewed and transformed starts here mm-hmm. by the renewal of our minds. But w- we let this and the thoughts that we we put there that we constantly entertain and over and over and over and I'm not good enough and I can't do this and no one's going to love me and I'm not going to get this job and I'm never going to make money and I'm not going to find love. And, and it's, it's what we do to ourselves and we have to renew that. We have to literally change, you know, stop speaking death into our life and start, start speaking life into your life. Mm-hmm. And even if, even if, you know, it's, it's called faith, believing in the unseen, you know, faith, it's like, I believe I'm, I'm going to be healed. I can see that I'm going to be healed. I'm already healed. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, this is, this is so hard and I don't like this and, oh, it's not working. And I didn't get the job and complaining, 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 complaining. And 
junk God. And if you, if you get <laughs> so down on yourself and, and so, you know, you have to start by, 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 by this, like stop blaming anything or anybody else. 100%. Like, even if it's someone you're in a relationship with, okay, well, you're choosing to be there. Yes. You know, so yes. it's like once until we become self-aware and, 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 you know, self-acceptance, that's another thing, like really like acknowledge this is where I'm at. This is what's happening. This is how I feel. This is what's going wrong. And you say it out loud. Like this, that's why I say a lot of my healing started, started happening through storytelling, talking mm-hmm. uh, community. You know, mm-hmm. I have, there's three things that three steps that I know that did everything a lot for me in terms of my healing process and community storytelling and community is one of them. It was two of them, right? So start saying, this is what's happening, mm-hmm. but say it from a place of, see, there's a difference here. Nobody wants to know what you're going through until you tell them how you got through or how yeah. you're coming through. Yes. So if you don't, you just sound like you're complaining and complaining and complaining. And people can only take so much of that because mm-hmm. if all I'm doing is sitting here listening to complaining about the same thing every day, <laughs> I'm actually making things worse for you. Not only are you now dumping this on me, which is unfair, mm-hmm. right? Now mm-hmm. I am not doing what I should be doing, which is you know, inviting you to take ownership of what's going on and to come up with a solution. Mm-hmm. And that is the work that we have to do. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, nothing's going to change. It's mm-hmm. not anybody else's fault. It's not what happened to you when you were a child. It's not what your partner did to you. It's what you are doing to yourself. Mm-hmm. And it sounds harsh, but it, I, you know, listen, it, it was harsh. Okay. Yeah. It harsh. It was harsh to have to face. And that, that's what my spiritual mother, you know, did. And it's funny because I always wanted to be like her. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I am like her. Mm-hmm. She, took me under her wings at what, 21, you know, she was a a lot older than I was. Well, quite a bit. Yeah. And, and that's what she did with me. She was, you know, no matter how hard it was to love me, she loved me, but she was stern and she was, it was no BS, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so that's, that's the work. The Mm -hmm. work is, the work that you have to do within yourself and for yourself. And I started having fun with it. I, you know, I went from being a high school dropout to being addicted to school. I still am. <laughs> like I'm enrolled in courses every year, every mm-hmm. single year since I was, since I went back, um, my mid twenties and, and I'm 47. And mm-hmm. I've, every year I've taken at least two courses a year. You know, so I'm constantly investing in myself. I am always a part of what, what, you know, a few women's groups programs at a time. Um, community is huge for me, you know, and, and, and even if you don't have a community within your neighborhood that you can go and join or be a part of, listen, we are living in an online world right now. Mm-hmm. And so most of the communities that I'm in, except for, you know, in-person events and events that I host myself, you know, conferences, um, women's empowerment workshops and stuff, you know, there's online events, you know, there's, there's now everything's opened back up. There's in-person events, you know, you have to do the work mm-hmm. because the more women that you are around 
like-minded women, you know, obviously you're going to select the kind of programs and communities you want to be a part of, which, which should connect with your core desire feelings or who you desire to be or what you want to do. Maybe your passions, your business, maybe it could be business, personal, professional development, you know, groups that connect with you and what you want, who you want to become, mm-hmm. you know, um, groups that have leaders who are doing what you want to do so that you can look up to them, so that you can learn from them, so that you can get ideas from them. And this is where the healing, people, you know, when they think of healing and self-love, they just think, oh, self-love, I'm going to go get it. Yeah, I get manicures and pedicures. And <laughs> yes. honey, that is probably at the bottom of my list of self-love, okay, exactly. or self-care. Yes. That's, you know, it's, I wasn't doing that stuff when I started, when I was healing on my healing journey, you know, you weren't worried um, about the pedicure. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> right. I, I was worried about not going back to toxic environments and, you know, <laughs> renewing my mind and right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this is, this is, that's, this is all a part of healing. Mm-hmm. That is a part of healing, you know, taking courses, studying, um, you know, the, the more you study, the smarter you feel, the smarter you feel, the more love for yourself you'll feel, the more confident you'll feel. You know, there's no more bowing my head down when I'm in a room and, you know, when they're asking questions, I don't want to answer because I am i don't know how to talk or people might, you know, I, and I, I talk with a slang. Well, I'm, I'm from the projects. I speak very well, but there's still that you know, yeah. Portuguese kind of girl in there, you know, yeah. so it's like, and when I speak on stages, I speak like how I speak, you know, yeah. um, Salma Hayek and Penelope Cruz aren't worried about their accents, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like they didn't try to get rid of their accents. They get amazing, yeah. you know, acting roles and parts that they need their accent. Right. So, you know, be yourself and, 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 and embrace who you are. And some, you know, some people don't know who they are. Okay. This is why you need community. This Mm -hmm. is why you need to put yourself out there, attend workshops, attend events. There are tons. Where do you live, Nicole? I live in Dahlonega, Georgia. Georgia. So there are so many free women's programs, business programs, all kinds Mm -hmm. of programs, all over the world. I'm in Toronto, Canada. We have so many here, you know? So, and and from, and back then when I was like on my healing journey, oh my God, I was enrolled in every free program you can think of, Nicole. Yeah. I'm not even kidding you. I, I remember going from like one program to another in the same day, you know? Oh, well, our program runs every Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I'm like, oh shoot, I'm already enrolled in that program on Tuesdays. That's okay. It's at a different time. I'd go to one and I would take the bus transit and I would zoom over to the next class, next program. And I'm present and I'm there. And I'm, and, and I just started feeling just so good inside, you know, because I, I got to meet new people, which I wanted. That was one of my goals was to change my environment, yeah. um, meet new friends and, 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 and then, and share my story and then also give advice. And, oh, what a feeling. Oh my gosh. Like as I was healing, I would meet girls, young women who were in worse positions than I was, you know, who were, you know, former prostitutes and, mm-hmm. you know, sex trafficked and they had pimps mm-hmm. or they were former drug addicts and now they're healing. And I got to give them advice. Yeah. And so I started becoming like a mentor and that's and empowering. Still, yeah. And I'm still in my mess. Yeah. But I'm not where I was or right. I'm, I'm a little ahead of where they are. And then I had, I had mentors who were ahead of me. Yeah. So it was just so 
forward progress. Oh, it was just such a beautiful feeling. And I know, I know a hundred percent that was a huge part of my healing. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And it's hard to tell somebody in crisis when you're moving away from crisis that, hey, you do really have to recognize certain things inside yourself. You really have to do like a lot of self work. And then you also have to change so many different things. It sounds daunting to people. And so it's nice to hear from women like yourself who can say, hey, I also did it. And here's where it took me follow us. <laughs> yes, yeah. You know, your, your story happens for you, not to you. Exactly. And that was a huge aha moment for me. I planned my very first ever women's conference, women's empowering conference. Um, this is going to sound crazy. When I was, while I was living in a woman's shelter with my, at the time, 17 year old and one year old. Oh, wow. And I plan, I had a vision of planning this. I, I had a vision to start a woman's empowerment business, which is what I do. Mm -hmm. This is, it was two weeks prior to out of the blue. I left my ex-husband two weeks. I had this yeah. vision. And I said, I'm going to do a woman's empowerment event as the business launch. And I'm going to do it at a hotel. And I want about 70, maybe 80 women there. I ended up in a woman's shelter. I had given the hotel a $750 deposit to do the event. I said to my son, I need to go back and get that money because I need that money now more than ever. I'm not going to do a woman's empowerment event. I'm living in a woman's shelter. And, I, and my son said, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you still do it? My 17 year old. Yeah. And I was like, come on, really? Like, I'm, look where I'm living. He's like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, I went the next day to go get the money. She wouldn't give me back the money. Your deposits are non-refundable. Oh, I had a fit. I was <laughs> crying. I was a hot mess. I went back to the shelter and I was crying to my son and my son was just sitting there going, so do the event, mom. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do this. And I was already right. I was already right. So, so I, I'm going somewhere with this. I said, your, hap your story happens to, for you, not to you. Right. I was already writing my memoir. I had 12 chapters left to write. I completed the 12 chapters while living in that shelter, my photo cover on my book, you'll find, you'll see it on Amazon. That photo shoot was taken while living in a woman's shelter. I completed the book while living in the woman's shelter. I not only had the event, I said I wanted 70 to 80 women there. I had over 250 women register for my conference. Oh my God, girl. <laughs> that's awesome see all while living two and a half months in a woman's shelter exactly. I, nobody in that room knew where i was living except for one table of women which were my closest friends right i had the key to my first place in my pocket my first apartment which i picked up the day before the event i took the key out and i was on the microphone i had a live jazz band i had 17 vendors live jazz band speakers you, it was so beautiful two 
Each table held eight women. Two tables were filled with women who were living in the women's shelter. I provided childcare in a hotel suite upstairs for their children. I had Johnson Johnson as a sponsor. They sponsored huge baskets like this big for each mom from the shelter. Oh, wow. It was one of the That's best amazing. moments of my life. It, it yeah. Was and I held that key and I said, most of you in this room, I said, except for maybe a handful of people, don't know what I'm about to share. But for the past two and a half months while I planned this event, I've been living in a woman's shelter. As soon as that came out of my mouth, I just started bawling. Bawling. There wasn't, when I finished doing my speech and I said, this key, I just picked up to my new place, my new home. And I wanted to show you this key. And I say this to say that every single one of you in this room have the keys, the key to create the life that you desire, whatever mm-hmm. that is. It was so, there wasn't one dry eye in the room. Not That's one, awesome. not one, not one. Like it was unbelievable. Like I have goosebumps just thinking mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. And so I say this to say again, your story happens for you. Doing the work that I do today was always my destiny. And there were certain things that I had to go through to prepare me Mm -hmm. to be this woman, to Mm -hmm. take on this position. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Man, that's awesome. That's a powerful story. And it can happen to anyone who wants it, right? Yes. You can do anything, no matter what, if you stop focusing on, if you sat in that woman's shelter and was like, I'm in a woman's shelter, there's nothing I can do. And just bided your time until they told you you had to go to the next place. It would have been a very different outcome, but you didn't let it stop you. Yes. No, I didn't. I didn't. I became, you know, I wouldn't change anything about my, my life. Nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, I was a was and am a, a, a very an extremely resilient you know I actually speak a lot on resilience um and I I resilience saved my life yeah it really really did and I, it's it's one of the things that unfortunately our our youth today um you know don't have yeah they don't they don't yeah, yeah. and do you think it's because there's so much focus on other things that they don't have that resilience. Do you think it's a matter of desensitization? Um, why um, do you think that is? It, it, it's not one thing. It's a combination of a few yeah. things. Um, definitely, as parents, we have to take some blame for that. We don't, we don't allow them. We don't challenge them. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we do everything for them. We overprotect we owe everything is extreme, you know, mm-hmm. because of how we lived as children, what we didn't have, what we had to go through. And so we're, we're, we keep them. So we're overprotective. We, we don't, you know, they, a lot of these kids, especially young girls, they don't know how to cook. They don't clean. They mm-hmm. don't, you know, we had chores, we had rules, we had consequences, you know, we got beat, we got spanked. <laughs> <laughs> no, right? And children say couldn't do anything about it. Like, uh, you're going to tell who another beating just <laughs> yeah. for saying that, you know, um, you know, so, so, so that's a part of it. Um, they're weak. They're extremely weak. Uh, social media has a lot to do with it. Um, 
it, it's a combination of, 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 of a few things. It's a yeah. combination, but in, in short, um, they, they don't, they've never had to, um, take res- much responsibility. Mm-hmm. They're not very responsible. They're not, um, so it, it is, it's a combination of a few things, but, but I do believe that us as, as, as their parents, you know, my generation, um, and then, you know, even above me, uh, we have a lot to, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, for sure. I parent the style that I do and why I wrote my book series about communication with your kids in an A through Z form is because of that exact reason. I did not want to hand my child a device and just let them get through the days until they turned 18. So I started communicating with my children from the moment they were born. And we have those deep conversations about all the things that are coming at them in this world. I think a lot of it is unpreparedness because parents don't know how to approach their kids. They think they're too young. They, yeah, they, well, they also didn't get it. Yeah. Our parents never really communicated. I know for, for most, for most people, they never really communicated with us. Yeah. We were just left to figure it out. And we assume, I think as a generation that the next generations will, well, that's not true because we're all different. No, social media, (laughs) social media will teach them. Yes. Yes. They're, they're being raised by that. When you and I were kids, we didn't have the internet. So we had to go to the library and we had to find our books that were the right books you know, that gave the right information and we know how to decipher. They're just thrown all the information and never told, how can you find out what is real and what is fake? Right. And we (laughs) also, you know, and then there was a combination of all the other things that we did that helped to make us more resilient, which was sports. Mm -hmm. We were extremely active. Mm -hmm. We were, we were, if we weren't playing double Dutch, we were skateboarding, break dancing, um, track and field, cross country. Like, have you seen the track and field cross country meets now? How small they are? Yes. Yes. They 100%. struggle to get kids enrolled and registered. Mm-hmm. And almost yeah. everybody makes it. And almost everybody, the tryouts, even if you really weren't supposed to make it, they need you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's because... You know, are 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 you and I'm gonna I'm gonna speak mostly to about the girls because there's the a lot of the boys are still extremely active and playing sports in schools. Um, there's always a lot of boys at trial for whether it's football or basketball or you know hockey, whatever it is. Um, but the girls, like a lot of the girls, just they're 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 on their devices and that's that's their life and mm-hmm. they're worried about boys and all these other things and they're, and they're not you know. Even even when you look at something as small as um, the way they're shaped in comparison to how we were, you know, I I didn't I didn't know a single obese person growing up. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. a single, not not one. And now it's it's you know it's because of their diets and mm-hmm. a lot of fast foods. They're not active. They're just sitting on their gadgets. They're sitting in the rooms on games. They're playing. They're they're not moving. All right. And, and two so, parents are always gone. We were latchkey kids too, but there was a certain standard of how it was for us. When, when our parents were home, our parents were telling us stuff and communicating, you know what I mean? Right. Whereas here you're working yeah. 15 hour days, both parents, they come home. Did you eat? Did you do the things? I'm yes. going to bed. Good night. <laughs> we, we had structure and we had mm-hmm. routine. 
mm-hmm. that was uh, another, that's another huge, um, contra- you know, in terms of resilience, mm-hmm. right? That that's really big too. the, the structure and the routine. Um, it's so funny because we had very little TV time, you know, mm-hmm. our, my TV had the antennas back then. I'm sure. Yeah. Did, right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, but what's so interesting about this is we feared my father so much that even as a blind man who wasn't home, when he said you can watch TV for 15 minutes while we're gone, and I'll know if you turned the TV on. We <laughs> him. Yes. <laughs> we yes. Him. So and you know times, what? Though, what's weird is they did know. They did know. <laughs> but see, in this in this case, it was just the knob that you'd have to turn on. The TV would turn off and on, and so he wouldn't know. But in our minds, we're like, we we would like, how do you think he knows? And we would study the TV. We would check to see if there was like a tape thing there, and and then and then you know, I'd say to my brother, okay, you turn it on. My brother be like, no man, I'm not turning it on. You turn it on. I'm like, I'm not turning it on. And then we'd be close to it, and we want to turn it on so bad, so bad. But we feared him so much. We did not ever turn it on yeah yeah and yeah. knowing that we had and mind you you know I, I grew up in an, it was an unhealthy environment but but I, I I'm gonna say Nicole like there was a lot of great great things you know that I learned mm-hmm. um I mean you know I as crazy as it sounds it's gonna sound so crazy because my I, my father was like two different people. He was an, uh, a severe alcoholic and he was two different people, mm-hmm. you know, when he was drinking and when he was sober, you know, every day when he would teach, he would teach us all these things about life and about the kind of friends you should have and about self-respect. You know, my dad spoke a lot about self-respect and your reputation. Yeah. And, and it's crazy because you would think, you know, oh my God, like, but like I said, he was two different people. Um, you know, and so he, he, he taught me a lot about, even like, even about parenting, you know, um, there's, there's things that I, I did take from him, mm-hmm. you know, um, he, so there was a lot of bad, but there was also a lot of good. A right. Lot of, we had a lot of, we, there was a lot of structure and a lot of, and routine. Yep. Um, and those core values were instilled by conversation. Yeah. I don't know how much of that is really happening these days. Not much at all. And it's even leaking into the adults because it's the adults that are struggling too, and they can't figure out how to get the answers. They're yes. in their tw- they're in their twenties, yes. they're in their thirties, and they're struggling because they didn't have it like we had it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, well, so tell me what programs you offer. Where can we find you? Yeah, I I could talk to you all day, but unfortunately, <laughs> neither one of us can <laughs> has the time for that. Um, yeah, that would be so easy, right? To just sit here and just chat all day. Yeah. I got my coffee. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, um, so in terms of of you know, my website is Elizabeth Correa, just my name dot com. Um, on all social media platforms, on Instagram, it's M S S Elizabeth Correa. Um, and then I've got my, my book is also on, you can get it on my website or on Amazon. Um, my book title is if you played in my playground, but as soon as you type in Elizabeth Correa, it'll come up anyway. And, uh, in terms of what I offer. So I actually have currently right now, um, 
uh, a mini uh, course on forgiveness. Oh, on forgiveness because I it's what I'm creating right now is digital programs. I have one launching soon on on personal transformation. Um, but I wanted the foundation to be forgiveness because that's that's where things started to really heal for me. Mm-hmm. Um, was letting go. And, mm-hmm. and self-forgiveness and forgiving them, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I have 100%. I, I, I speak to my father. I love my father. I, I speak to my mother. I visit both. I'm, there's no bad feelings there. There's no, oh, I forgive, but I won't forget. No attitude like that. It's right. complete forgiveness. Um, and so the course just, it's a mini course. It's a nine day course. Uh, which is really quite, I don't want to make it long. And, you know, so it's, it's mini, it's mostly pre-guided meditations where I'm speaking. Um, so it's, it's, it's a beautiful course. It's it's my little baby. I like to say, cause it's my first digital pro, um, product, right? So I've got that, that is on my website. It's um, also in my Instagram uh, bio link. Like there's a link there that has the links to everything in there. Really. It's okay. Um, yeah. And uh, that's it. Awesome. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, that that's it. You know, I just, I think if there's something I, I you know, I'm going to leave the listeners, viewers with it is, um, you know, to get really clear with how you want to feel, you know, how you truly want to feel, get clear with, with, you know, what is it? Is it peace? Is it freedom? Is it healthy? And then set goals according to how you want to feel. And, 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 and it'll be different, you know, even the way you go about accomplishing your goals or creating your daily tasks, they're, they're going to, it's just so different. You know, if yeah. you say you want to be, you want to feel healthy, then you know that you have to create a, a morning self-care routine, which can involve, you know, your exercise, your meditation, your, you know, prayers, affirmations, um, what you make to eat in the morning, you know, something healthy, because if you say you want to feel healthy, then now you got to do the things that are going to help you to feel healthy. And yeah. if you don't, well, again, it's because you're in your own way and you mm-hmm. just got to get out of your way. And yeah. That. Your story happens for you and not to you. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Nicole. If you like this and other episodes, please click subscribe, like, and share so others can enjoy them too. Thank you so much for listening.